Welcome back to another episode of the Devil's Cardigan Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Connor Sens, our freshly crowned 2023 Gravel National Champion of Australia. It was a fantastic conversation to chat about the race and what he uh, did with those spuds. You got me there. And I just wanted to give a big shout out to Pock Sports for supporting uh, the event and for providing $500 each to Justine and Connor for their win. So big thanks to them. Make sure you uh, look after your noggin with their great products. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. We'll see you at the end. Connor sends our 2023 Oz Cycling Gravel National Champion crowned two weeks ago in sunny Derby. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's not a bad name, that, is it? Um, it's got a nice yeah. ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I don't mind the sound of it. Um, yeah, I'm going well. Really good. Um, back home now in Bendigo. So, uh, just been training in the cold and wet. Um, sadly, didn't get over this year to America. I was planning on it, but just with the expense and, um, yeah, work and everything, I uh, couldn't head over, but I'm glad I stayed home and, I'm glad I could race in Tassie because, yeah, it paid, paid off, um, yeah, big, and I'll be able to take the jersey over next year. So, um, well, that's the plan anyway, to head over early next year and show off the jersey as much as possible um, in the early season races in the US. But now I'm going well. So which, um, what are we talking about here? What, what, when are you thinking of heading over and what races are you targeting in particular? Um, I'll apply for the Lifetime Grand Prix um, and hopefully that all goes well. If not, I'll still head over and um, I've got some contacts in Colorado. So um, hopefully base myself there. And, yeah, do the main um, gravel races, just the um, big ones that everyone knows, like Unbound, Tasha. Um, The Oregon Trail one that Matt Bird raced the other week looks really good. Um, and that looks like a bunch of fun, just racing along the trail, camping each night and starting off from where you left off um, as a bit of a stage race. But, um, yeah, head over early in March, I reckon, and then, yeah, might come home for a mid-season break and head back over again. You might have to come home to defend your title, I think, but hopefully yeah, now that you've got the green and gold on your shoulders that there will uh, be a few sponsors happy to get behind you to make that trip to America a lot easier as well. Yeah, for sure. I've had a lot of support and messages after um, after I was in Derby. Um, so yeah, it's looking exciting, and hopefully get a jersey made up quite soon. It's in the it's in the process now. Fantastic. How does it feel to be crowned the champion, mate? Yeah, really, really good. Um, I went into the race. Most gravel races, I go in hoping for a top five, and I knew that I had the legs too. But um, yeah, obviously, there's a lot that can get in the way. Um, just with mechanicals, crashes, sickness, form, everything like that. And just your other competitors who's got the best legs on the day. But, yeah, just everything went my way. And, um, yeah, I thought on a good day I'd be standing on the podium, but to be able to win it the way I did, um, just going solo in the end, um, yeah, it's pretty special. And the emotions at the end really started to come out. And, yeah, I, I was thinking in the last... 20 or 30 k's i was like there has to be someone up the road there's no way <laughs> there's no way this could be happening but um yeah when i went i still wasn't sure going into the oval like i knew i had a big gap and i couldn't hear the quad bikes beside me because the quads were so loud um so they were giving me time gaps and just yelling but i didn't hear anything they said 
So I had no clue if I was 20, 30 seconds in front and that just out of sight or if I had minutes. And, um, yeah, I wasn't really sure if I'd actually won it until I heard him say it. As I was coming into the open, I could hear it over the loudspeaker. Well, that's um, a good point that you make about how much you were looking over your shoulder because I had a first-hand view of that on the uh, motorbike uh, following you in for like the last four kilometres, getting footage for Instagram and uh, the socials. And I wasn't sure if we were making you nervous, if you were worried about us running you over or if you were just checking for uh, Alex coming up behind. You were just dropping all the bombs that you had to seal the deal which was um very i was very privileged to, to watch it from my my perspective yeah well because i um no visuals behind of any riders coming because it was so technical and so many corners ups and downs um i wasn't sure if they were just behind me so i was trying to i was going as hard as i could on the uphills just i raced it all the way to the line 100 percent. absolutely um, you did i could give but um, yeah, I was trying to take the descents as fast as I could, but then as safe as I could too, because I didn't want to lose it just by sliding out on one of the last corners. But yeah, it turns out I could have could have done the last few k's a little bit easier. Well, we'll uh, we'll come back to the finish, but how about we go back to the start and uh, let's take us through the race in a few. Um, few sort of key sections i suppose it started off in a foggy derby bright and early and what was it like being on the start line looking around at all that uh oh, strong competition yeah it's pretty cool we got there early because we had um a car full of guys and girls so courtney sherwell was racing in the women so we got there um probably an hour and a half before the start like really early to set her off and then um yeah it was really foggy um, you needed lights on to warm up. I was going to ride there originally, but it was just so cold and dark that I had to jump in the car. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't really that nervous at the start. I had a, a fair bit of caffeine in the morning and um, a couple of coffees, and then a nice big gel, like a beta fuel gel, before I started. So I was ready to go, and then. Yeah, it was just straight into it. The neutral wasn't that long at all. And um, I was quite nervous about the start just because it was so, there's so many punchy climbs. And I'm not really a punchy sort of rider. I can do the long sustained climbs if they're not too steep. But uh, the most, the bit I was most nervous about was definitely the start with, yeah, just so many ups and downs. And I'd rode that part of the course too and knew what it was like. And yeah, some of the tracks are pretty tricky. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, a section of of that first uh, bit of the mutual there past the uh, Derby Forest cabins where it, the roads copped so much damage from previous logging through there and it was a bit overgrown. Like I was hoping the, uh, the, the little 18% prior to that would stretch everyone out a little bit so it wasn't too congested. But, um, yeah, it was, there's, like you said, there was no no rest for the wicked. It was straight up into that climb and, and uh, up into Pretty the mutual cool. valley you went. Mm, yeah yeah we just had a big water crossing right at the start i rode that the day before um and rode the water crossing because i was like we're going to have to do it in the race um if one guy decides to ride through it he's going to get a nice gap so we've all got to ride really so i tried it the day before the race and got pretty wet um but yeah it wasn't too bad um i just raced into it knowing that i had to be in the top few wheels going into the first 
Creek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then came out of it in good spot and the pace just backed off until the major um, climb at the start. Yeah, so that first KOM after the, the little water crossing, you start the sustained climb up to Mount Paris down road. Was everyone sort of just holding, just keeping it together? You know, it's still very early days or was the pace just you know, on from the get-go? At the start, I think everyone wanted to keep it together. And then um, Brendan Davis jumped on the front and, yeah, really turned the screws on. And there's a bunch of maybe, I think I counted nine of us. And at the start, I was, I felt quite sick in the stomach. Like I was about to say to John Davis, who we were staying with, I just don't feel right. And I just had this really weird feeling in the stomach, never had it before. And just over the top of the first climb, I was like, I know my legs are good. Let's just hope it settles. Over the top of the first climb, I was thinking, my legs are really good. I reckon I reckon it was all just down to nerves that made me feel a bit iffy in the stomach. And then that sort of settled once I pinpointed it and I was good to go. But, um, yeah, we oh, – Brendan Davids really smashed it up that first climb, really put the pressure on everyone. And I was really suffering there and – we had a nice group. We worked well together. A couple got back on, I think four or five, including like John Davis and Nathan Earl. And then that was sort of just the top 12 or 13 formed and we got a nice gap. And was that the main bunch that then rolled through across the top of the first climb and down Dead Horse Hill Road that rolled into the first aid station then? Yeah, yeah. That went through the aid station. We hit the road. Um, everyone got a feed. And then uh, we just kept rolling along the road bit. Um, a couple of us had a chat, just rolling along, got to meet who we were racing because a lot of us actually didn't know each other between like a lot of the roadies and mountain bikers. Um, yeah, there's so many guys going into the race that I'd never raced. I'd heard of some of them. I'd actually never heard of Alex Lack, who, was, um, who ended up second on the day. So... Yeah, I had no idea what he was capable of. So, yeah, towards the end of the race, I was I was really nervous. Um, and he wasn't showing much at all. Like, none of them really were. So, yeah, after the first, first aid station, we all backed off. Um, and there was a bit of a lull in the race. But that descent going down there, that was um, just going into it. That was really, really fast and technical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was playing Marco down there and the mountain bikers were on the front. And Marco nearly had a massive crash, just lost his wheel, had to um, straighten the bike up and send it straight off the road. And, um, yeah, that could have ended, like, really badly for him. Yeah. It's it's a tough one that, like, with so many different disciplines coming together under this umbrella of gravel, you know, the mountain biking skills and the roadie pace and everyone's got their strengths and their weaknesses. And that descent, as much as we do our best to try and put it on everyone's radar, that, like, it's fast, it's roughish, it's going to have bits and bobs on it and it it's perfectly rideable but you've got to, you've got to look, at your, look at yourself in the mirror and decide what is the risk worth the reward when you've got the rest of the course up ahead as well. And it's it was in not bad condition from all the log trucks packing it down compared to previous years but then 50 mils over you know thursday turned it into a bit of a bog as well so i'm glad everyone got down there with no major major issues and the bunch was uh relatively contained because you never want to see someone's race 
yeah come to an end because of something like yeah, that yeah it was very um it was very fast down there some of the mountain bikers set the pace and um a couple of us roadies lost the wheel going down there but luckily there was just too little of them that got down there in the front and it all bunched back up pretty quick there wasn't too much of gap to chase but yeah, yeah. definitely split up down there just because they can descend so much quicker than us and so just we're fixated on just following the same line the same side of the road where the in the tire marks where they're jumping back and forth and following the smoothest line, jumping over all the loose rocks in the middle. And, um, yeah, they've just got unreal bike handling skills. And ours aren't bad, but, yeah, they're definitely quicker than, than us downhill. Was that, one of the, was that a moment where you sort of thought, right, after this, I'm going to add a little bit of this and a little bit of that into my training just to, yeah, broaden the, the skill set for whatever race you may face in the future? Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind um, actually jumping on a mountain bike, looking at the calendar in the US next year. Um, there is quite a few mountain bike races and it does interest me, like especially um, we've got a few Bendigo people that do the mixed, uh, the paired, mixed pairs races, like the marathons and stuff like the Cape to Cape and Reef to Reef. So it would be quite fun, I reckon, to find a partner for that and that would definitely help me yeah just sharpen up that area well that's where alex lex um most of his racing price i believe stems from and he would partner up with tasman last year was it for the reef to reef for the year before yeah they did, yeah, they, did they, they, they did well but yeah, yeah i always find like your cross-country skills like it, it it does have great crossover onto the road just with you know, just reaction time and being able to read road material and stuff. So it's it just they all just support each other, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. Even just going over the top of the climb and um, getting used to just descending straight straight away, like technical descents while your heart rate's through the roof, you can see that's a big part of it and there's just no no rest for them. Well, that's, that was after that first aid station, that's when I got my first uh, visual of the male elite field and uh, it was quite ominous. Like I'm glad it was relaxed in the uh, in the bunch because for me going past on the motorbike uh, before the start of the second main climb up to Route Falls and knowing what that climb is like, uh, a steady gradient where we could really see some fireworks potentially happen, I felt like it was the calm before the storm almost because uh, – but the next time I saw you further up the climb, the field was uh, definitely spread out a bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely got smashed a bit. So as soon as we turned off the road and into the gravel, I didn't really have the profile on my Wahoo, so I didn't know what was coming up. I I knew roughly in my mind um, from the profile that I'd read the day before just on a piece of paper what it was, but I couldn't remember exactly what all the climbs were like and I didn't have the segments start or anything like that i was kind of racing pretty blind um but yeah as soon as we got onto that uh the second kom uh yeah they just put the pressure on straight away and i knew it was quite long like 10 or 11 k's at five percent was that uh some of the local lads putting the pressure on there nathan and alex or was it just everyone just putting in a turn trying to shake shaking each half loose uh brendan davis kicked it off um he pulled a strong turn straight away and then Nathan rolled over him and really upped the pace. Um, and then probably three Ks into the climb, I saw Nathan swing off. So I put in an attack um, and just upped the pace. And there was maybe seven of us. And 
I just drove the front for probably the middle five kilometers. And then, it, yeah, the last three Ks, right where it gets steep, that 16% part or, yeah. <laughs> like more. You're, yeah. You're welcome, mate. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, Nathan rolled over me. So he put in another attack just straight over me again. And, um, yeah, that put everyone on the limit. And there was Nathan went off the front and then Alex followed him. Sam followed him, then I lost the wheel. Then I was solo. Scott Bowden and um, can't remember who it was with. They were just behind me. But the the order actually changed quite a bit from who got over that climb with Nathan on the front and um, Sam Fox, and then I was dropped. Like it bunched back up, and then yeah, it changed quite a bit. Marco got back on on the descent. And you all kept that last that descent over our falls down towards the portal. Was it uh, a bit of a, a moment of everyone just getting themselves back together, or was it sort of spread out a bit and everyone it was uh, it was the race was on? Oh, we kind of backed it off a bit. We put the pressure on on the flat, but it was nowhere near as fast as the first descent. Like the speed we took the first one, uh, it was just crazy. I think all the mountain bikers were there, but between Nathan Marco myself we sort of just controlled the front and descended at our own pace um got down there pretty smoothly and yeah that's where marco and nathan both had their bad luck puttering out oh um, yeah the, yeah on one of the last corners they were right down near the bottom and then i saw photos of marco or nathan i can't remember which one it was they were both beside themselves and there's just stealing everywhere and yeah <laughs> When I first came over the, the crest of that hill and looked down and saw Nathan down there, my heart just dropped. And how he positioned his bike, it looked like he'd gone off into the creek, into the bush himself, actually. But luckily, it was just a, a front flat. But that's uh, oh, that's that course is unforgiving. And you have a moment like that, that's uh, it, it all changes. So when we saw Nathan and and Mark that had had those mechanicals, it was just I was just wondering what is going on further up the field. So how many of you, the front end, the front group, came through the portal together? Well, we descended down. So Marco and Nathan just had to stop. And there's Alex, like Sam Fox, and myself that we're just swapping off nicely. We weren't sure if they were going to get back on, if they were going to um, just put a plug in their tyre and chase to get back on or if it was a proper um, mechanical. And so we sort of didn't pull too hard. We kind of waited for them a bit just because it was unfortunate. Um, and, yeah, the three of us went into the portal. Scott Bowden um, was just behind us with one other and they got back on. Um yeah, and then it just went straight uphill again. Alex like actually nearly, nearly hit one of the little pat. What are they called? Patty melons. Little patty melons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of those jumped out, and it was underneath his wheel. Like it oh, was wow. really close going down the descent. It was yeah. Half a second later, he would have just went straight into it. Wow. Okay, that's another uh, obstacle and thing to be careful of next year's race. Then that is so obvious now. Yeah. Reese's race, Reese Duckup's race over in seven. He had a kangaroo jump out in the middle of the bunch when we were going down to descent. And yeah, that ended his race, just fell on his shoulder pretty hard. And yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm glad he didn't have a, an off edge thanks to that Paddy Mullen. Yeah. So then the, the unnamed climb of hell, the final KOM up to Mount Albert Road. How was everyone yeah. feeling there? Was there 
did everyone start to attack and try and use that hit final big climb to get some gaps like Tasman did last year, or was it fairly stayed together up to the um to the ridge? Well, I was kind of not sure what everyone was feeling like. When you get to that sort of level, everyone's quite good at hiding their facial expressions. Like it's quite hard to tell who's feeling what and especially Alex who I'd never gone up against and Sam Fox you don't know what you're competing with so straight away I as soon as we went through the portal I just rode the front from there and yeah it started going uphill straight away basically I sort of just set the pace and then yeah looked back and someone had lost the wheel so as soon as I saw a slight gap open I upped the pace a bit and just had a little surge and Alex was the only one that came with me and we ended up working all the way to the top of the climb together and then just tr- started chopping off turns. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I just want to just kind of blow the gap out as much as possible at the start and hope, hoping that I'd race for second or third. So, yeah, when I saw him under pressure, I sort of just thought, yeah, let's go now instead of, yeah, working with him. Yep. So you and Alex together got up to Mount Abbott Road and started heading across the false flat towards uh, the last aid station towards Mathina Plains, the last little 20K section up the top at altitude and uh, just basically solidifying your gap from third, fourth, fifth in the chasing bunches there. And uh, this was when you were working pretty well together by the sounds of it and it was probably this point when I caught back up to both of you on the motorbike and I think it was just as Alex was just having a moment with cramps I believe and you sensed it you could see uh, I saw your head look over the shoulder and I think you just read the situation and was there any thinking about it or just pure instinct you just dropped the hammer and made a break for it yeah well we got over the top and we were working well together we had we were probably pulling like 30 second turns and we did that for five or ten minutes or so and then i was trying to really punch over the short sharp little uphills and it was either just slide uphill or flat slide uphill and flat there's just no yeah. rest at all and i actually didn't sense anything really i just flicked my elbow one time to swing off the front just on this little climb and saw he'd just lost the wheel um so yeah i had no clue at all that i'd just gapped him i um, yeah, just looked over the shoulder thinking um, it was my turn to swing off and had a slight gap. So, um, yeah, sort of just took off straight away. It was just instinct really. As soon as I saw a gap, just go. But it was such a long way to go and that's where the, not having a profile on my Wahoo really killed me. I had no idea if the descent was 5Ks away or um yeah, 15k away. I just had no clue and I forgot the kilometre of the aid station so I was just racing to the aid station and, yeah, that was a really good sign. It's a fascinating uh, bit of road to race on and one of those sort of roads where it's kind of like the finish where you might just be able to catch a glimpse of, of who's in front or who's behind but otherwise there's enough cur- curves, enough twists to not really know and when you came through the AEA station up at Mount Vic, uh, gosh, there probably was like a minute in it. The same song was still playing on the radio when Alex came through in second and then another 5Ks on maybe a few Ks out from 
that is sent down to Ringaruma. It was probably one of the longest straights along the Thinner Plains Road. And I was able to capture you off in the distance, maybe a K and a half in front as Alex came onto that last straight. So if you happen to get a glimpse of him up the top there on that section, I'd be surprised. But that was impressive because we then tailed Alex for a little bit on that section of road before the long straight bit of Methina Plains before the descent to Ringaruma. And he was holding 40, 41, 42 Ks an hour, just time trialing his life out to, to regain. And I can only imagine that you were doing much the same, trying to keep that gap riding, yeah, with the, the fear of who's chasing you when you do. Yeah, for sure. I just really had the goal of trying to get out of sight. Just, you can, there was a few long straight roads and I just wanted to get out of sight. Um, yeah, and hopefully that start racing for a second. But the conditions were actually really good. We The wind was quite good up the top and helped us out. And the roads actually drained really well on all the hills. It was just a couple of times down in the galleys that got a bit wet. But uh, you wouldn't know you had 50 mil of rain in the previous days before the race. Like it was, we actually stayed quite, yeah, quite clean. And um, the bike was clean because John Davis, who I was staying with, he gave me a little little tip to put um, tire shine all over your frame and rims and everything. And it works unreal. Just sheds so much water, just mud, dirt off your bike. And yeah, you can see coming across the line how clean my bike was compared to everyone else. It just had, yeah. Really good little little hack. There you go. There you go. That's going to be the hot tip for next year. Actually, <laughs> secret <laughs> to national success. Yeah. And uh, I suppose we've we've come full circle to when you're rolling through Ring of Room and now still looking over your shoulder, trying to uh, gauge just what sort of gap you had, and uh, the final run into the finish line, and you've ended up pulling. A, I think it was three and a half minutes gap between yourself and Alex. Yeah. Um, I was really thankful for that road bit going through Ringaruma. Like, um, it really suited my style. And just that last flat bit, I was able to time trial in. I've always been um, mainly focusing on the time trials for the past couple of years, but then transitioned across to gravel and just want to become more of a multidiscipline cyclist. Um, so yeah, I was thankful for that last bit, but I had no clue what was coming. I knew how much elevation there was on the course. <laughs> I knew reading how much elevation I'd done that there was still more to go and we we're just coming really close to the finish. And I was like, there's still another climb. <laughs> there's still quite a couple hundred meters of elevation to go. I've got no clue where it is. And we're getting closer and closer and yeah, I was just waiting for it to come. And what a climb it was, hey. Uh, you just when you're so close to the finish line, the Devil's Cardigan always has that last little surprise for you, one last little present before uh, you can have a, a swig of a race beer. And uh, with that rain that we had and the amount of bikes and traffic getting through it, it was a pinch to remember. Yeah, 100%. I, I was so close to unclipping at one point. It was, yeah, it was like what you see on TV, <laughs> the cyclocross. <laughs> yeah, and especially with the short course riders as well, we were passing a lot of those. So there wasn't much room on a couple bits of the course. Yeah, overtaking two or three riders. And um, yeah, it got quite fun. It was such a good course. Like it had everything from, yeah, wet roads to dry roads, single track, like fast descents, 
the long climb, short, punchy climbs, um, and then a bit of cycling across to finish it off. Well, that's a good good sort of little thing to talk about there is gravel being such a, a, a booming discipline and it's having so many riders from lots of other disciplines, mountain bike, road, everything else, just all coming together. As a race organizer, it's been interesting getting the feedback of what some people are happy with and what some people are not happy with. And essentially, they're all still public gravel dirt roads that we're running this course on. And I hope that the race, we wanted to have everything. We wanted to have sections where it's going to play into everyone's strengths, but also make you be challenged with areas where you might be weak at. And we don't want it all to be champagne gravel. We want a little bit of little bit of fun stuff in there, but not too much. So, looking back on the course, like, like is was there too much of some one thing or not enough of the other, or how did you how did you feel um, with your experience and what you've written? Looking back on that, I think it was pretty pretty perfect. Like you look at the start list and all the favourites, and every one of them had a way to win it. Really, there was um, yeah in the six or seven guys in the middle of the race there was a few mountain bikers few road riders and there's a good mix and um yeah it's like if we hadn't have smashed up that last climb and got a gap if some of the mountain bikers could have hung onto our wheel i'm sure they would have 100 percent rolled us in the end like we wouldn't have got up those climbs with them and on that last descent down so there's so many ways to win the race um yeah and it can go yeah, it can go so many ways. It's, it's such a good course and it suits so many different types of riders. Are there any lessons that you learned from this championship race that will you'll take on into uh, future competitions? Um, the tyre shine. <laughs> the tyre shine. Um, it's really good. Figured all that um, mid speed. Um, yeah, $100 chain lube, just a few dollars from the reject shop. And yeah, no, I... A few days before the race, I put on um, new Vittoria tyres, the Mezcals that they just brought out, but I ran tyre liners and, yeah, that's the best upgrade you could ever do. Just um, I hit a rock, a couple of rocks um, on separate occasions and it's just really saves you rims, saves puncturing. Um, I didn't even run a tube for the race. I had tyre plugs, but they're so tight to get on. I was like, if I punch up, it's going to take so much time to swap a tube out and I'm not sure if I'd even get it off because you nearly snap tight levers trying to get the tyres on in the first place to set it up. So, yeah, they're just – they work wonders. They're really good. I love them and such a smooth ride. So that's one thing I'd always uh, keep doing is running those. But I think it was just my bike setup mainly. Um, it's quite light. Um, I've got help from Creative Carbon Wheels out of Melbourne and I absolutely love those. Um, yeah, they've been, they make my bike super light. So I think I haven't learnt too much. I'd probably work on descending a bit more. Um, I think it could just save a lot of energy for, yeah, what it takes to learn really. Um, yeah, but just the bike setup really is, yeah, it all came together perfectly. Fantastic. What um, what size tire and what pressure were you running? I was running forty four mil tires, and it was twenty six psi with the liners. So I reckon, yeah, it sounds really low, but 
with the liners, it takes a lot, a lot uh, less to feel the same, like get the same pressure, really. You can't have too wide a tire on that course, that's for sure. Yeah. Any individuals or mentors that you want to give thanks to or that played a big role in that win last uh, fortnight? Um, yeah, a lot of the sponsors that have come on board. After seven, I really worked on what I want to do next year and reached out to some companies and, um, yeah, just everyone that has come on board. Ecoy's now come on board, so I'm super excited to be working with them. For Fantastic. Next year, they'll be hooking me up and dressing me um, in some nice colours, so... Um, but yeah, just equally creative carbon, um, knob and then, um, burr handlebar tape. I actually saw them out on course in the last little cycle cross section past them. And, um, yeah, I was too cross-eyed to notice, but yeah, we actually passed each other out on course. And then, yeah, just everyone from my parents and stuff too. They've done a lot for me with, um, Yeah supporting me over the years, getting me through. Oh, they must have been so proud and stoked. You know, all that hard work, all the training, all the all the effort that's gone into, you know, all that cycling that you've done and just to, to win a national championship race so strongly. I think you would have just, from probably gapping Alex, you would have just, you wouldn't have backed off the final 30Ks, I'd imagine. Just would have been full soccer's. And it certainly didn't look like you were tiring. It looked like you were—you uh, still had a bit more in you. Yeah, well, um, it was about a 35 case um, solo attack, really. Like, it was such a long way, and our average speed was only 29k an hour. So, yeah, it was a long time to be um, solo and just time trialling in, like a, probably longer than what I hoped for. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about the win and what I'd get out of it and everything, and I was just running off that for motivation and adrenaline. I just kept thinking about it the whole way into the line. Like, yeah, didn't think it was really happening until I crossed the line. And as soon as I crossed the line, um, yeah, spoke to uh, spoke to the guys and had some interviews and then the other riders that, um, yeah, picked up a phone and called my parents and dad's a pretty tough nut he doesn't show many emotions but to see him in tears after the race on facetime was pretty special oh that's wonderful that's so good yeah, yeah go, go to show how much you know this is just more than you it's it's a family is that it's bigger there's so much family support that goes into achievements like this all that hard work over the years it all just paid off that's awesome yeah but so many like little things that can get in the way too just from letdowns in other races where you've had mechanicals or crashes and you might build up and work so hard for a big race and then it doesn't come together on race day and you have small wins here and there, but to get one final big win, like for it all to come together on the biggest day of the, like, of the year really for gravel racing in Australia, um, yeah, it's just such a good feeling. It's a good point too, isn't it? And going forward in, with your career is, and this is something that we spoke about with Nathan Earl, was managing the the highs with the lows and looking after your mental health to to uh, continue working forward to all those goals despite any setbacks or adversity you may you come across so it's um yeah it's an interesting space to manage there as an athlete with um 
with what's in your control and what's not in your control. So a great lesson there to learn, I suppose, now early in your career with, with so much racing still to come. Yeah, hopefully it's a smooth run from here. Like I've had highs and lows, um, especially when racing overseas. The past two years I've done it um, out of Italy, racing for Italian continental teams. And it is it has been pretty tough just living away from home, different language, like especially going through all your savings and stuff too while living away, like a bit of financial pressure. And um, through COVID it was hard because I couldn't fly home. So there's no option to come home to see family. And if anything was to go wrong, then you're sort of stuck over there on your own. And I did get stuck over there. My flight on the way home got cancelled. So there has been like highs and lows. So that's why I decided to stay home this year and race the gravel. Um, I wasn't sure if I'd race much at the start of the year. I was thinking of just doing some of the NRS and backing it off and just finishing off my apprenticeship that I'm doing through my dad's business. But um, yeah, I'm bloody glad I kept at it. And yeah, a lot of doors have opened up now between um, joining St. George on the road. Um, there's some exciting races with them towards the end of the year. And then, yeah, getting to go to hopefully Gravel Worlds now in October. And, um, yeah, this will set me up hopefully pretty well for the US next year. Fantastic. And so, yeah, America next year with the uh, Gravel and Italy in October. That's the what's next for Connor. Yeah. Yeah, that's on the, on the cards. I can't wait. Fantastic, mate. It's going to be awesome to see you over there in the green and gold representing Australia and hopefully alongside Justine as well, which should be very special to see two cardigan winners over in Italy rocking out at the uh, the Worlds. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see her come back. Like, it was a pretty big move from not only Justine but Roxalt to make the decision to bring her back from the US. But, um, yeah, paid off huge and now she'll get to race. I think Crusher in the Touch is actually tomorrow so yeah she should be in the green and gold um yeah it's nice if we're watching it on tv yeah let's have a look what's the time it's uh 10 42 p.m in utah so in another eight hours nine hours time there'll be a few uh well tasman will be up justin will be up all they'll be getting ready for that big day so we'll wake up tomorrow morning with some hopefully some great results yeah hopefully fingers crossed and hopefully tasman has a quite a bit of luck. I know he struggled a bit with um, punches and stuff at Unbound. It was um, quite unlucky for him. I was really hoping he'd have a good ride there because he's definitely on really good form at the moment. So um, I saw he got second the other night, actually. So yeah, yeah it goes his way. Absolutely. It's, um, it's a big thing he's doing and very lucky to be part of Lifetime Grand Prix and just knowing his form and just... Just, yeah, the strength that he can bring on a bike, I really just hope he does himself justice and, you know, he feels like he had a a really good crack over there. Yeah, well, he actually lives just around the corner from us, so we train with him all the time. And, um, yeah, training with him and racing with him, just the local staff and over in seven, he absolutely tore our legs off. I was like, (laughs) he doesn't go well in America. Um, I'm not sure what it takes. Like, yeah. If he, yeah, I I hope he goes well. And Were you in the, um, the bunch yeah. at seven when he pulled away? Yeah, yeah, his attack over me. If you look at the video, I was setting the pace quite high 
and he just left me for dead. <laughs> what did that feel like, mate? What, what what words went through your mind when that happened that he just no one responded? Well, because he's another Bendigo guy, I was I was setting the pace quite high, probably four hundred plus watts, and um, yeah, I was just wanting to ride the climb and hopefully ride some people off my wheel and get a nice small bunch by the top. And then he just attacks over me, and I was I just let him go because I knew I couldn't surge that hard and go across to his wheel. And I think everyone looked at me thinking, are you going to chase? And I was like, well, one, I'll, I won't chase him. And two, I, I can't. It's <laughs> 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 up to you guys. They kept on following me. Nico finally went and decided to have a crack. But, yeah, everyone kept looking at me. And I was like, I'm honestly not going to do anything. I, I can't as much as I want to. But, yeah, that was a super strong move and a super strong ride by him that day. Like to win by five minutes on that course is insane. Oh, and what a way to set himself up for his adventures in America. So hopefully he has a fantastic race at the Tusha. And, uh, yeah, he just keeps enjoying his time over there. Yeah, he looks like he's having a good time with um, traveling around. He's got a big pickup truck and, yeah, traveling everywhere. So he's got I don't know what I was expecting in my mind when we spoke to him about um, his setup. He was telling me about this old Toyota Ute and this trailer. And in my mind, like I'm picturing like an 80s Hilux, you know, this beat of this trailer. Like next minute, he's got what a 2008 uh, Tacoma cab, yeah. this epic big trailer. Like, mate, living the dream, dream setup. Please, I want more uh, life on with the Tacoma vlogs from that man. Um, yeah, <laughs> what a what an adventure. Yeah, I think he's doing half of that out of his truck and half of it in uh, just mate's houses. So it'd be such a good trip. That's what I hope to do next year, the exact same. Well, make sure, um, yeah, make it happen, mate. Uh, work hard and get some, get these sponsors uh, tuned up. And what's the best way for anyone listening to support you in that uh, regard and how to follow you? Um, I don't really know. Just <laughs> hit me up on Instagram. Um yeah, if we go through that, um, my Instagram is pretty simple, just Connor Sands. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking pretty exciting for the future with who I've got on board, and um, yeah, hopefully finalize it all in the next week, and yeah, get it happening. Fantastic, mate. Well, I'll let you go and get back to your weekend. Thank you so much for the time that you've given us today. It's been fantastic talking to yourself and Justine to have a recap of uh, the race from two weeks ago. We couldn't be more happier with how it all went and to have such yeah great representatives in the cardigan. So do you think you'll be back next year to uh, reclaim your cardigan? Yeah, hopefully. I'll, uh, I'll definitely be back hoping to reclaim the cardigan. Um yeah, it's probably the hardest cardigan to get. Yeah, you really earned it. But um, no, it's been fun. First podcast. Um, so, yeah, been an exciting one. Actually, and one last thing too. What did you do with your potatoes? Oh, um, the funny story about that. We actually went around um, a couple of days later. We went to Launceston. So, we... Walked around town, we parked the car in a few different spots and we just put the potatoes up everyone's uh, like exhaust in their car. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
story before I, um, yeah, if you ask me what I did with the potatoes, but no, sadly we couldn't take them home. So, um, yeah, because of the dogs in the Launceston Airport, we couldn't take them home. So, yeah, oh, really? Leave, yeah, had to leave them up in Cradle Mountain. There'll be potatoes growing up there. The 10 kilo bag of potatoes in Cradle Mountain for whoever wants to, yeah, go, go up there. Oh, it'll be a mystery, uh, mystery field of potatoes up there growing. Connor is the yeah. reason why. Fantastic. Well, all the best. Never had a kitchen to cook anything with them, so I was really hoping to do a little um, Instagram story of just cooking up ten kilos of mashed potatoes and have some fun with it, or count how many potatoes there were and do fifty different ways on how to cook a bag of potatoes or something like that, but. Yeah, sadly, we never had a kitchen or, um, yeah, we are um, too busy traveling around a bit just after it. So, Sounds like we need to uh, put something in place for next year if the, uh, the winner of the potatoes is about to immediately leave for the mainland or overseas, a Sunday yeah. morning potato something. We'll, do, we'll figure out something. Yeah. What has the previous winners done with theirs? Ah, uh, gosh. Well, Tasman last year, he just slipped his potatoes into unsuspecting victims' pockets at the pub on Saturday night after the race. Nathan, yeah, I assume, just ate all of his, and so did Nicole Frayne. Um, she just took her straight back to Hobart oh, and started, taking, yeah. Yeah, started sharing um, photos of all the food she was making with her potatoes the very week following the race. And, yeah, Karen, she would have just taken them home and smashed them. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, this year was the first year we've had some big issues with what to do with all these potatoes for our, our victors. Yeah, it's a hard one trying to get them back to the mainland. If I had had the boat, um, I would have been all sweet, but sadly had to fly. It just means you just got to have a big potato cook-up Saturday night, mate. Doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah, get a big pot and away we go. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Connor, for taking the time to have a quick chat with us about everything Cardigan and becoming the national gravel champion of 2023. All the best, mate, and have a great time in Italy. And just, yeah, just keep riding hard, big fella. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Connor, for joining us on the podcast and for telling us all about your epic day in June to become the uh, new champion of Australia in the gravel. Make sure you go follow his adventures and give him plenty of support, and we'll see you next time.